People have different ways of capturing moments. For a guest artist, Becky Cow, she managed to capture her life's mundane things and events through sketchbooks and journals. With over nine years of journals filled with drawings of food, places, and anything in between, Becky sure has many insights to offer anyone who would like to learn how to draw and paint using watercolor. Stay with us until the end of the episode and listen as Becky talks about unlocking creativity through different mediums, ways to know your passion and how to remain consistent, how to draw and paint in a short amount of time, how to keep going with art when self-doubt strikes, and breaking up with perfectionism. If you want to be part of the conversation, then send in your questions and topics you want us to cover to hello at etcherlab.com. Hey, this is Jesse from Etcher. We believe in your power to create, so we invited artists from all around the globe to inspire you to keep on creating. Join us in this journey and let's celebrate creativity. This is Make More Art, the podcast. Becky, welcome to the Make More Art, the podcast. I'm really excited for you to be on the show. I know there's so much that we can talk about, but before we dive into that, can you share a little bit more about how you started? I know you're so much into journals and you have a ton about that that you can share with us today, but can you share a little bit more of how you started? Have you always been interested in art as a kid? Did you have any mentors? Uh, did you go through art school? Um, did you go to any workshops as well? Share a little bit more about that with us. Yeah, sure. Okay, so I started drawing, I'm mostly drawing with, uh, you know, pencils, pens, and crayons as a kid. Mm-hmm. Since I was five or so, since, since I was able to hold a uh, pencil and some markers. So my oh. earliest memory of drawing a picture was like pretty much the same imagery as most other kids likes to do, uh, houses, and cars, and, and people like you know street sceneries are kind of like that you know a lot of I drew a lot of houses and cars and people and I just kept this pattern going on throughout elementary school and, and also high school mm-hmm. like um, during elementary school you know during, during recess and after school I did a lot of little doodles and I like to staple all of those drawings uh, into booklets and share those with my classmates. Okay. So yeah, so since I was like in grade three or and on, I like to create my own little booklets, kind of like zines right now, that you know, yeah. a lot of artists like to create. Yeah. So I started something like that very early on, you know, a lot of pencil and pen and marker drawings, mm-hmm. you know, staple them together into so many pages. I even sold one to my classmate <laughs> for a few dollars. Okay. He really loved it. It was a really silly uh, comic book. Teasing mm-hmm. uh, a classmate. Yeah, it was a really silly one. And I don't want to really share the content. You know, kids sometimes they get really silly. They draw, you know, very random and funny stuff. And so something like that. And my classmate was, was a boy and we're about 10 years old. He, he was really interested in my silly comic book. And he actually spent money, quite a lot of money back then. Was able to buy quite a lot of snacks. And I got really excited from that. And yeah, I was really uh, getting supported by my classmates and my other friends that we invited to illustrate some pictures for the school newspaper for the class newspaper do some okay. little illustrations for them since mm-hmm. grade four or something and yeah and my parents was pretty supportive especially my mom and uh, she sent me to a uh, professional uh, drawing art school Mm-hmm. when I was in grade four or five when I was about 10 or 11 so it's like the old 
academy way of drawing was pencils, drawing those basic geometric shapes like uh, cubes, prisms, uh, and also cones, cylinders, all, all kinds of geometric shapes to combine them together and to give you a studio lighting and observe the, uh, the, the lines and forms the light and shadows. When I do that, shading with pencil was a little tedious, but this is how, uh, so yeah, so I actually grew up in China and we came to Canada when, when I was uh, in grade eight. So I finished primary school in China and I had a little bit of uh, early art education when I was in grade four to six. So yeah, the old the old academy where we were drawing using pencils, drawing and shading. Yeah. Okay. So everything, well, first off, I'm glad that your parents were very supportive considering that you grew up in an Asian country. And I say that because I, I also was born and raised in Asia. And most of the most of the artists that I've had on um, who are also from Asia had this mm-hmm. perception of, you know, for most Asian parents, like when, when you talk about art, it's more like it should be a hobby, but you should pursue yeah. something that's that would eventually become a career where you, you know, get a high salary for it, a corporate yeah. job even. But in your case, your mom was very supportive at the age of, uh, when you were grade four, you say, grade mm-hmm. four. So, and even enrolled you into um, academy, which was, wow, um, such supportive parents. But you saw that you started with pencil. I started with pencil, yeah. So this is how they, um, I don't know, I think this is some in European professional art schools. Okay. They start, you know, the fundamentals of drawing with pencils and charcoals. Yeah. And yeah. concrete crayons. This is how they train um, artists mm-hmm. in the very beginning, dry media. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. And, and I'm, I'm going to ask you later on and how you progressed and move into a different medium, which is watercolor. But before we that, I would like to touch on what you shared earlier. At an early age, you're already an entrepreneur and uh, an author because you already sold a book. At an age of how, how 10, was it? When you were 10 years old? Yeah, over 10 years old. Yeah. yeah. And forgive me for sharing this as well but I, I also did that when I was a kid and when I was listening to you I was like oh my god so I wasn't the only one who did that when I was a kid and sold something to my to my classmate who actually bought it, and I bought snacks as well um, yeah. with the money but that book that you sold how many pages um, uh, let me try to remember about 20 to 30 pages not not a very yeah, no that, that's a lot because mine was like yeah. it's a few pages and I sold it for it's a Philippines like I think that yeah. was like three or five peso at a time. So it was really, really cheap. But okay. in your case, you said it was really good money and you were able to buy a lot of snacks um, from it. Um, yeah. Were they all drawings um, for all of those pages or like texts in between? Uh, the drawings and there were also like caps in between, kind of like a comic book. Huh? Oh, yeah. Okay. What's, what's the theme? I, I'm interested because that was your first book and, you know, someone paid good money for it. So at the age of 10, that, that's amazing. But what was it? What was, was there a story? Was it a theme? The story was, like, was actually a really bad one because I sometimes I was getting really naughty as a kid. Uh-huh. Uh, for me, I'm actually a really introverted, introverted person, but I, would, I have so much inner power in creativity. Oh. And I like to get naughty in a quiet way. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I remember the story was something uh, teasing a classmate. Uh, I think she was like doing all kind of silly gestures, engaging in whatever kind of random. For example, she would walk in the street, and all of a sudden she uh, she dropped into a hole. And, oh, okay. Yeah, or something. That's too silly. And she got killed or something like that. Yeah. Oh, that goodness. was really silly. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine the creativity and the you know the thought process behind that book. I mean, 30 pages is no joke. That's, that's oh, a yeah. lot of pages. If it's back-to-back, so let's just say 15 pages, right? But yeah. to be able to create something and with the story and then the drawings, that's pretty amazing for a 10-year-old. So, wow, kudos on you <laughs> for oh, being able to do that at a very young age. Okay, so you said that you moved to, to Canada. Yeah. Um, a grade 8, did you say? Grade 8? Yeah, grade 8. Okay, so tell me more about... Did you continue art when you moved to Canada? Oh yeah, right away. So oh. I uh, so I began taking um, art classes in high school starting grade eight. I started in October, uh, okay. like the first first semester of grade eight here in Canada, and yeah. So we're actually we're free to uh, to choose our courses in high school most most of the time, but we have to choose math and English and you know those basic so uh-huh. and social studies. But for the arts, some people they want to choose singing or like musical instrument, but I just wanted to do uh, visual arts. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So without any any thought, I just yeah yeah I wanna I wanna get an art class, and so I started that, and that was my first time uh, trying watercolors. Yes, yeah. yeah, that was actually my follow up question because you started with pencil and charcoal, and then now most of your works involve watercolor. Like when watercolor. I look at your at your feed, right? It's mm-hmm. all like sketchbooks, journals, and then the, yeah. the watercolor. So yeah, tell me more about. Uh, watercolor and how you started with it. Uh, so we got, I kind of started in grade eight and nine, and at the same time, you know, the art class in high school was very open-ended, and then the, the teachers all offer us a lot of mediums to try. Uh-huh. There's watercolors, there's uh, tempera paint, or yeah. acrylic paint, and we also made sculptures, like paper mache, and all kind of stuff. It was like yeah. a lot more creativity mm-hmm. compared to the uh, Asian art education programs, yeah. which only just do dry media, you know, pencil okay. markers okay. and pencil crayons and stuff i never touched water i never really touched watercolors until in grade oh. eight so tell that was that, yeah tell me about that experience when you first started with watercolor how can you remember how the experience was because you were you were given the opportunity to choose different mediums right to test it out even yeah you know, all forms of creativity but when you test when when you test a watercolor what was the experience like for the first time the experience was like uh it was like really fun it's like there's so much fluidity you know uh-huh. with the color that you could that were, i'm able to mix my own colors other than just yeah. you know grabbing a color of pencil crayons or, or markers right. or something it's amazing that i'm able to mix and blend colors in a very fluid way and i really enjoyed that mm-hmm. and yeah during grade eight or nine i wasn't taught any uh watercolor skills by my teacher so in high school they don't really teach us that they kind of very open-ended they give you a topic so today we're gonna paint a uh like a maybe a landscape uh, like the topic is like a forest or something mm-hmm. the teacher might kind of show you some examples from from all the artists yeah maybe i think she's doing a little bit of demo of how to use the paint but not very uh intensive technical skills is taught but yeah but still a lot of you know self-exploration ex- with the medium so self-exploration exploration wow yeah so how did you 
how did you get a good grasp of the techniques? Because uh, admittedly, watercolor, it can be very tricky. And for our listeners who are beginners, I'm sure they, they had a lot of trial and error. Did you have that uh-huh. experience as well when you were starting out with watercolor? Yeah, for sure. Especially a lot of trial and errors in, in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of things didn't work out. I was trying to paint a tomato and apple, which is just a very basic everyday object and didn't work out for me mm-hmm. because I added way too much water and I didn't really know how to blend properly. So it turned out to be very uh, muddy and, and watery. Yes. So a lot, lot of failures mm-hmm. happened, of course. And uh, But I, I just held them really tight. And then I took some more art classes uh, starting grade 11. 11, just to get ready for art school because I was uh, planning to apply to art school mm-hmm. uh, to get a, a bachelor of fine arts degree. So yeah, okay. started to study uh, to study some more uh, technical skills with a master, like private lessons mm-hmm. in my neighborhood. Uh, so yeah, so we did that. So some more uh, pencil sketches and shading, and then I was also taught how to use watercolors as well. In a more professional way. So I did have some private uh, classes other than those high school classes, which is more, it's very freestyle. It just, Mm -hmm. yeah, they're open to any kind of thing that you create. But um, I want to, I just want more solid skills in painting watercolors, like how to paint a set of still life fruits, uh, Mm -hmm. kitchen utensils, and maybe landscapes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I got that. I spent about two years studying that. It was a master. Uh, he had a master's in, in fine arts. Yeah, specialized in painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Amazing. So, uh, so from really not getting any, like, lessons in watercolor to mm-hmm. really resolved into um, learning from, from the master. So that's, that's amazing. Yeah. What would you say would be your biggest takeaway from that experience when we talk about like lessons from, from the masters for, for watercolor? My biggest takeaway is, is, is the guidance, is the actual guidance that, you know, he's telling you what is the first step that you should be doing is to lay a very general and light wash mm. for the overall, for the whole paper. And then you gradually put on uh, light, medium, medium dark, and then dark tones gradually. And then you have to wait, sort of wait for the layer to dry or something. There's like certain techniques and timing Mm -hmm. about watercolors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there are a lot of uh, actual guidance, like one-on-one, almost like one-on-one. He was was also teaching maybe five or six other students in the studio, Mm -hmm. but he walks around and then just, you know, shows you the uh, specific Mm -hmm. steps that you can do next. So that was very important. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult, very different compared to high school art classes where you know you just come in, sit down, okay, this is our lesson for the next two weeks. You right. just keep working on yours. The teachers just walk yeah. around, just make sure you're using the materials properly. They don't mm-hmm. really show you how to paint it uh, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely agree about the layering aspect of watercolor it it makes a huge difference instead of I guess when we're trying out new things right especially with paint is that we just want to put everything together yeah. um, into the paper and just okay just play around with colors and it's too bright mm-hmm. and too saturated but with watercolor it's like a whole it's a totally different ball game because uh, like what you said yeah it's all about layering and timing and technique yeah. now so with watercolor, um, I, I know you, you you have a lot of subjects that you, that you do now, right? But when you were starting out, what was your go-to subject to paint and draw with? Mm-hmm. 
So for like for like in my art journals and also in some little casual uh, sketches, mm-hmm. I usually like to stay with like indoor subject matters because uh-huh. I wouldn't feel very confident, you know, drawing and painting landscapes yet until after like a, a year or two trying to draw those everyday items. Uh-huh. So starting out with like still life sets, kind of like following uh, the setup of my studio, of my professional studio teacher. Uh-huh. Um, so what I studied in the studio was like, you know, on day one, I just come in and then have a setup of, for example, like a few apples, wine bottles, and some draperies behind fabric. Yeah, stuff like that. So yeah, so like on, later on on my own, I tend to do that as well. Like, like, you know, grab some stuff in the kitchen and then set it up on a dining table mm-hmm. and start doing some sketches like that. I, I think in, in the beginning was, I was pretty serious. I was pretending that I'm like being with the master and then I took hours and hours doing just one little sketch that is about a four size like so many hours yeah but now um but later on i think gradually i tend to have a really casual attitude to drawing those subject matters because i don't want to spend way too much time on it like you know drawing a bottle and some fruits four or five hours i think it's it's too much i want to capture the essence very quickly yeah yeah and at the same time, I got inspired by, you know, other artists online, like on mm-hmm. Flickr. There's, in, in the early days, a lot of people like to right. share their artworks on Flickr. Yeah. So I joined a lot of those groups and I got to see a lot of loose ink and watercolor styles. So I'm not the first one, you know, doing this, this kind of thing. I got inspired by a lot of other artists you know, older than me. And yeah, I, and then I got to know that I, I could actually use watercolors and paint under a fairly short amount of time mm-hmm. yeah so that's like the kind of the thing that I got started okay I'll start I'll try with ink and then watercolors and see see what happens and and I really like you know the addition of ink okay. and not pencil because in this in a studio I was never taught to use a pen first right there was a transition from pencil to pen mm-hmm. uh kind of like self-exploration and self self-directed learning I would say mm-hmm. yeah on my own, uh, I really got inspired by those ink and watercolors that I see online from other very famous artists. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I started to uh, try out uh, ink and watercolors in about in about, about ten years ago when I started my first art oh. journal. Okay. Okay. So you, you mentioned earlier, so you used to pretend uh, when you were starting out with watercolor, right? Or at least practicing that you yeah. are in studio with the masters and that really took time. So eventually you started to create your own process of um, painting and uh, drawing and painting using watercolor. And then eventually you move into, you realize that, oh, okay, I can add another medium, which is ink. And then you mix those two together. Now, let's talk about journals. So you said earlier that um, normally it's more like indoor subjects uh, mm-hmm. that, you, that you've tried. Uh, and then until such point that we're in, you're comfortable doing landscape. When was that? And what was like the, the turning point that made you say that, okay, I'm ready to switch to landscape and try and paint them? Using water. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So the urban sketchers, you know, the global urban sketchers school yeah. have been around since the early days of about, I think, more than 10 years ago. And I've yeah. been following their stuff. Yeah. Since then, since uh, 2011 or something. Mm-hmm. 
And then I found my local chapter in Vancouver mm-hmm. in 2012, and I just joined them in May 2012. Okay. So yeah, and I started my very first urban sketching. I still remember that day. I just met a lot of nice people, like-minded people, meeting at the quayside of North Vancouver. We had lots of boats around, you know, people passing by, and yeah, it was my very first time that I spent like two hours sitting with other buddies sketching. Mm-hmm together and doing actually a pretty nice urban sketching i'm still pretty happy uh, looking at for that first urban sketch yeah yeah uh, yeah it was a full page one yeah yeah so with, with the urban sketch was that already with ink um and watercolor or you were doing pencil and watercolor it's ink and watercolors it's actually direct ink and watercolor i didn't know i was able to do that uh i think it's probably of my studio skills as a really important fundamental for uh, my skill, for my ability to draw directly with an ink pen. So it just happened kind of like all of a sudden. I think I started that on the, uh, yeah, around my first session with Urban Sketchers in Vancouver. I didn't know I was able to do that. Yeah, I spent one hour. Yeah, did it surprise you that, oh, I I can do this, Um, you know, straight to ink and then watercolor? Yeah. So so I spent one hour drawing with an ink pen, all of the Uh details of railings. Behind the railings, uh, we have some boats, a lot of overlapping. So I was able to handle that Mm -hmm. Uh, for some reason. I think the studio uh, skills were really important that I had over the years. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I'd like to also ask... uh, because you had really good training and uh, you were taught by the masters. I mean, you've been doing this for like ever since you were a kid. You, you were so decided that this is this is really what I wanted to do. Was there a point in your life that you, you know, sort of uh, doubted that that was really the plan and the goal that you really wanted to achieve? Was there a point where I think I want to do something else aside from art? Yeah, that that's a very good question. I actually encountered that in mm-hmm. the very first uh, in the very first year of art school. Yeah, it was it was very surprising for me because my uh, I think my interests and my skills were based on traditional media, drawing right. and painting. Mm-hmm. But art school in the uh, contemporary world is very different from what I perceived. Mm. So they actually they teach you art theory, um, art history based on you know contemporary art practices. Mm-hmm. And I, what I was interested in was in the maybe like the Renaissance period yeah. and uh, the uh, impressionistic uh, painters, those kind of stuff. But I'm not really into contemporary art, like conceptual art. Mm-hmm. And I actually felt really shocked to uh, to be in those lectures, hearing about those uh, art theories. Yeah. And yeah, so I was like doubting, should I be really in this visual art program or should I do something else? So, so yeah, so that's like something that's, this is not something that I, that I want to do. Even in the studio classes, yeah. we're asked like to do, to, to make, you know, those abstract sculptures from, con- mm-hmm. from conceptions or something, yeah. something like that. So that was not really my interest, but um, yeah, so that was like a period, the first year of art school. It was yeah. like a lot of doubting. Yeah. Well, yeah. What made you decide to stay on with it? Um, what made me to stay on is to hold on to my own passion. So even though those professors are leading you into com- into contemporary art, I still yeah. held on tight to my own personal practice. So if they are asking us to do a painting, and then, that w- then I would like to use my own favorite approach. 
like ink and watercolors, pencils and whatever, acrylic. I also do acrylic sometimes. I, I like to use, yeah, use my own personal approach for those class, uh, class projects. Yeah. Rather I, than, yeah. Rather, yeah. Which brings me to my, my follow-up questions because you know, you, you've taught, you were taught by the masters, you had really good training, um, drawing and painting using different mediums. And, um, you had really good training for watercolor and you've already started doing teaching as well, or teaching watercolor. Now, my, my question, Becky, is that, you know, you, you were taught by the masters, right? But you said just now that you managed to apply certain style of your own techniques on how to approach a project, right? And I'm sure yeah. you also did the same thing for teaching. So what were some of the changes that you did or um, made, make rather, um, in your approach to teaching watercolor? What's the other the other question Becky is that um was it something that you what is it what is it that's something that you um learned um from from the classes that you attended from from you know the class that you did with the masters that sort of um that you don't apply anymore because you've realized and found a different way of doing watercolor yeah, that's a great question. Uh, for me, I, you know, in, in the studio class, they want you to make everything look so perfect. And we all start out with a pencil layout. And the master want to make sure that you got all, all of the shapes and proportions right. And if you're not working right, he's going to erase and, and fix it for you or tell you, okay, this part is not working right. So maybe just fix it and erase. So, um, so that thing I really want to let go. Um, that's why I started drawing directly with an ink pen is that I don't want to allow myself to, to erase because I don't, I feel like the art uh, creating process should be very spontaneous. Uh, I feel like the idea of capturing the moment from day to day is very important rather than staying in the studio and working on a still life for hours or even days and weeks. I think that's not really necessary. I feel like, uh, yeah, working faster, but not rushing is a better approach. I love that. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good point, um, especially letting go of the pencil sketches yeah. and heading straight into it. So with that, my follow-up question, Becky, is let's talk about the media workshop that you had last May. Um, this is pretty interesting. Can you share a little bit more about that with our audience, which I'm sure some of those who are listening to the podcast have already attended your class, who are a fan of you. Um, I know you have a good following on your socials, but can you share a little bit more uh, for those who have not seen or watched the recording of your class? Yeah, I think that one was uh, was really a fun one. That's actually my very first time teaching online. Yeah, wow. and thank you to Etcher for just giving me the opportunity to try out, you know, teaching online. And yeah, so that experience was great. So I think I had to kind of break down my process into very specific steps. So it's kind of like self reflection at the same time because when I'm creating in my art journals, I tend to work really fast. So for example, that bottle of maple syrup, if I do that on my own, my, on my own without thinking about how I do it and then how to yeah. share my process with other people, I could finish it in about 25 minutes. Right. And yeah, so as I did that in, in, the, uh, in the live class, I just think about, okay, what I'm doing right now. 
and what is the next step and what should the students need to be aware of this you know for for especially for watercolors you don't want to apply the next layer too early or, or something like that so I do kind of remind students at the same time too just a much slower process and it could took me like one hour or more to teach that compared to if I do this only 25 minutes on my own. Yeah. That is actually one thing that I picked up from from because you do a lot of YouTube videos, which are really you're very generous teaching your process and sharing your sharing how you create. And this, that's what I love about watching you your your videos. Um, but yeah, you said that the most of your sketches, so you do sketch, you do you do draw, paint every day, if I'm not mistaken, um, which shows with the amount of journals that you have, which is. I was blown away. I think there was a photo or a video of you showing all of the, your journals. And I was like, man, wow, that is a, it's a milestone. That's an achievement. But one thing is that you said that, you know, you just need a few minutes and sketch and just, you know, capture the moment of your day, what you ate. Uh, um, but you learned um, to be able to break it down into a process that your students will be able to adapt and create um, so that they can create on their own. Um, I love when you said that, you know, um, you don't rush. If you can repeat that for me, Becky. So you don't sure. rush, but yeah. Can you share that again? Sorry. Uh, what I want to say is uh, my drawing process is it can be done very quickly, but it doesn't mean it's rushing. Yeah. So something done very quickly doesn't mean it's being rushed. Being rushed means you're losing control and your results may not be the way that you want. Yeah. Uh, I think again, this is very, very, very important to have a studio skill and to practice for for several years before you move yeah. on to be able to work really fast but right. not rushing and not rushing it. So, yeah, I think that is something. Just keep practicing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think when, when you have the kind of experience like what you did and the consistency of drawing every day, giving, you know, putting in the intention to create without aiming for perfection, like what you pointed out earlier, um, but giving yourself the ability, um, the permission to just create and just capture something from your day, like what you're doing, which is really amazing, by the way, Becky, to be able, I'm sure when you go through those stages, every it all brings back a certain memory of that day, um, which when I was looking at, uh, at your, your feet, I mean, at your feet, I was like thinking, maybe this is something that I've done in like years back. So that I would be able to capture, like, you know, sitting in a cafe, you know, in a place that I traveled to. So that that you are an inspiration, Becky. And, um, and for anyone who's starting out with art, what's your piece of advice? Um, yeah, for someone who would want to either start a journal, a sketchbook, um, capture your day, you know, using drawing, painting, uh, using watercolor, what will be your advice? Uh, I think my advice is that, well, you don't have to be like me right now. I'm fast because I have a professional background. So if you're just, you're, if you're just starting out and you want to do art journaling, you could just take your time. There's no need to rush it. Uh, you're going to pick up your, your speed as time goes by, as you get more you know, proficient in, in, in your drawing and painting skills. Your, your speed is going to be up very naturally without without you forcing it. So yeah, really take your time in the beginning. If it's taking you two hours or three hours or two things, and that's fine. There's no need to rush it. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. And also I, I think one, one thing that really sets you apart when it comes to why you're you're not burning out doing your, your journals is that you're enjoying it every 
minute of it. If it's just a few minutes of your day to create, but it's something that you're really passionate about, like what you said, when I asked you what kept you on um, despite the challenges in your first year, right? It's because it's really your passion. It's really what you wanted to do. So I, I think from, from that story alone, you inspired us to, you know, if this is really your passion, this is something that you want to do, you don't need a lot of talent. If, you know, you just need to create and be consistent. Again, right. if you want to, if you want to see, um, Becky's process. If you want to, if you loved everything that you've heard on this episode, then do check out her recording. It's up on the Etra Studio website. The class happened on May 31st. You can also check out Becky's YouTube videos. I'm sure you're going to pick up a lot from it. Um, check out her feed as well. We're going to drop her Instagram into the show notes. Becky, it's been a pleasure having you on Make More Art. Any other um, golden nuggets that you would like to share before we wrap up? Some gold nuggets is that, well, yeah, action is the key. And you could actually carve out uh, only 15 to 20 minutes in a day, you know, just to create. You don't have to think about, okay, now it's time to create art and I need two hours. Well, you usually don't need two hours. If you want to create something, you can start with drawing like your cup of tea or coffee, which will just take about 15 minutes or maybe 20 minutes, depending on your, on your own level and speed. So it doesn't have to be a huge picture, like a landscape or like something monumental. It doesn't have to be like that. It could be something ordinary. There's a lot of meanings in ordinary, especially your personal object, like your cup of tea, your cup of coffee, like your favorite food package or something like that. That's very meaningful to create. You don't have to do landscapes, like, yeah, always. And it could be a very small sketch. Yeah. That's a really good, I, I love what you said. That it could be something that's um, intentional and meaningful to you. It could, yeah. it, it could be something ordinary from another person's eye, but for you, it's something meaningful. So create what it is what's something that you know create something that's meaningful to you i guess that's what i picked up from what you just yeah, said Becky, right. it's been a pleasure having you on like what i said um I, I mean you know it's i'm interested about i mean i'm so looking forward to this episode because i know that i would be learning a lot and i did so i look forward to seeing more of your journals and your works ca you capturing your moments every day um using your paintings but thanks again for sharing your heart and your talent with us and let's continue to make more art. Thank you, Becky. Yeah, it's a pleasure to meet you too, Jesse. Becky's consistency is truly admirable. Art is indeed a process that needs to be enjoyed and savored. My key takeaway from this episode is that when making art, we should veer away from perfectionism, but rather use it as an opportunity to reflect and discover the beauty around us. What about you? What is your key takeaway from this episode? Do let us know by leaving a comment through the blog post associated with this podcast at etrolab.com slash Becky.